Welcome to the Arise Church Podcast. At Arise, we're a community of imperfect people, pursuing and experiencing a transformative relationship with Jesus and one another. For more information, you can find us online at ariseonline.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Yeah? Um, For those of you that don't know me or don't recognize me because I don't have a hat on, my name is Craig Peterson. Um, You can call me CP if you so desire. Um, Let's see. Just a couple house cleaning things also. We've got communion today. So after the message, uh, we will take communion. So please stick around after that. Make it through the message if you can. And then after that, we're also going to um, pray over the Bissons and send them off as um, this is, I believe this is your last weekend here, right? And then you're off? Yeah. So we're going to do that afterwards too, and we'd love you all to stick around and pray with us and lay hands on them. All right, so this week um, we are going to be in Matthew 25, um, Parable of the Talents. And next week, I know it's Labor Day, there's probably a bunch out of town, but if you can make it, we will be on the parable of the unforgiving servant. So that will be a good one too. Um, but let's, um, let's pray quick before I get into um, our scripture. Lord, we thank you. I just pray that today we will be transformed by the message that you've given. Um, I pray that our ears will be opened um, to hear your voice and to hear what you need out of us. So please um, bring your spirit into this church, uh, into your people. Um, Cover us in your love. Send your Holy Spirit. Um, Let your message do the talking. It's in your name. Amen. All right. Matthew 25. I read out of the ESV. I don't know if if we put the scripture up there or not, but... Matthew 25, 14, parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, 
reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God's word. All right, so let's start out with this. Is there, there's always been a big misconception about what this um, parable is about. It is not about bearing your gifts and your talents. It's not about the gifts and talents that you've been given and then not doing something with them. That's a big misrepresentation. And it's, it's, so it's not about not using your gifts for God. Does that make, does that make sense? Um, and it's not about working really hard also. Not that you shouldn't use your gifts to glorify God and use your gifts um, in, the work, in the works of Jesus. And you shouldn't work hard in life in general. Those are all kind of a given, but that's not what this parable about is about. If we back up just a little bit, and if we went to 24, Jesus is sitting on, um, sitting on uh, Mount of Olives right now, and he starts out talking about the abomination of desolation, the coming of the Son, and man, son of Man. Um, no one knows the day and the hour, right? Be prepared. No one knows when he's coming. Um, parable of the ten virgins. Still, it's, he's, what's he saying? He's saying, "Be wait or be ready, um, be ready for what's coming." And then it's the parable of the talents. So he's not going into all these things and then saying, "But just remember, work hard and give your gifts." So he's still on this this um, teaching about what we are called to do and what we've been entrusted with. Um, and Jesus knows, another thing is Jesus knows the impact of um, what he sank these people, and he knows what he needs to say to get their attention. And that's why he starts talking about talents. In the Old Testament, um, talents was the largest unit, unit of measurement. So basically, there's a big gold disc, If for those of you who don't know. It weighed about 75 pounds, so it was heavy. If you remember, David put on a crown that was um, one talent, so it was like a 75-pound crown. When we move into the New Testament, the, um, the definition changed just a little bit. And in the New Testament, a talent was worth 16 to 20 years of wages. So if you kind of see the importance that Jesus is putting on this talent at the time, it's either he's talking about a 75-pound piece of gold weight, or he's talking about 16 to 20 years in wages. There's kind of a I've seen both. I saw 16 and I saw 20. Most people say 20 um, years of wages. So Jesus knows this impact that uh, he's giving his teaching. And so if we jump right back into verse 14, it talks that there's a long journey that's about to begin. And the master... Um, some, the ESV says like a man going on a journey. Some of them say a master or 
um, a lord or a nobleman. They called his servants to entrust them. And I think the important part here is according to their abilities. So even though there was a five-talent guy, a two-talent guy, and a one-talent guy, they were all giving something and all entrusted according to their abilities. Um, I, I, I have this thought going through my head when I see this. I picture the master coming in and he sees one guy and he's got like a power suit, power tie, probably has a power shake for breakfast. And he gives him, right? And he gives him the five talents, says, hey, you've got your stuff together. Here's five talents, go do what you need to. The next guy comes in, probably more casual Friday, might have a tie on, probably untucked with a hat on, probably like me or something, right? And then I picture the one talent guy probably walking in a little bit late, probably in flip-flops, shorts, Spigoli looking. Everyone know, get the Spigoli? Really? No one knows Spigoli? Spellerberg? Fast times at Richmond? Oh, my gosh. That was such a fail. Um, <laughs> anyways, I, so no one will get this, but I picture the last guy walking in and be like, bro, I thought you said 10 a.m., man. So... The master still looking at him goes, all right, he can still take one talent and do something with it, right? The point being that he can do something with it. I'm still shocked. No one knows Spigoli. <laughs> Basically, what's happening here, too, is these, these um, servants are supposed to take care of the opportunities that are given to them, right? They've been entrusted. They've been given an opportunity. They've been given something to go out and do something with it, Okay. One is showing obedience right away. At once, he said he went out. The two-talent guy, he still went out and made money, and then the lazy guy just went and dug it and did nothing, right? Um, they're taking advantage of their opportunities. So what does this mean for us? I want to I take it in kind of two spots here, um, in kind of a secular, earthly kingdom and a Jesus, heavenly, godly kingdom way. So first... In the secular kingdom, I ask yourself to look inside and just, what are you in the talent-wise? Like, if someone was going to entrust you with something, are you a five-talent, are you two-talent, and you're in one-talent? And there's nothing wrong with any of these, because everyone is wired differently, right? But are you the, the five-talent guy? Are you the two-person? I shouldn't say guy. Um, are, are you the five-talent? Are you the two-talent? Are you the one-talent? I look at it with me, I'm like a two to five. I'd probably rather be two to three than to have all the responsibility on something and have to be the person that got it. But I'm a hard worker and I know if someone gives it to me, I can lead or I can follow. It doesn't matter whatsoever to me. So I see myself as that two to five uh, talent person. And part of that is I'm also willing to take a risk. So for some of you that don't know me, I used to... I tried to play golf professionally, and I literally would, I, had a, I drove a Saturn at the time because I got like 50 miles to the gallon, and I could go to Tucson on like $40 when gas was 97 cents. It's crazy. Anyways, I would put my golf clubs, my guitar, and anything else that I could fit in my Saturn, and I would go. There was one year I had $300 in my checking account and a credit card, and I just kind of, I would risk everything and I would just, I would just go. Now, nothing was really entrusted to me. This is probably just being young and dumb and believing I was invincible. 
But I was always willing to risk and do something, just like when I became a realtor, um, when I got married, <laughs> maybe. Uh, not a risk, but you know what I mean. Um, so that's what I ask you. Is, so on this secular level here, in this earthly kingdom, where do you find yourself? Okay? And then where do you find yourself on the heavenly kingdom? Because God has entrusted us with something, right? Can we all believe that? God has entrusted us with something, right? The, the gospel, the message of Jesus. I wish I would have wrote this down. Um, let's see. Second Corinthians 5. Thank you, Lord, for giving this to me. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, right? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we've been entrusted with something, right? We've been entrusted with, honestly, this simple message of what Jesus Christ has done for us. For those of you that have never heard what Christ has done for us, God sent Jesus, his son, to this earth, to put himself on the cross to die for us so that our sins would be forgiven and we can be reconciled to Christ or reconciled to God. So he was, he was on the cross, he was crucified, died, buried, was resurrected. We have to remember that, that he was resurrected. And now he sits on the right-hand side of, of God. So that is the message that we're entrusted with to give and to spread, okay? So now... I ask you this, where are you on this scale? You've been entrusted. Every single person in here, if you believe that, um, that um, Christ is our Lord and Savior, if you come and take communion later today and you confess the Apostles' Creed with us, you have been entrusted with this message. So I ask you, where are you in your talents on this? On this, I'd have to say I'm probably, not that I'm tooting my horn, but I'm probably a five because I just, I will say it to anyone at any time, whatever's been entrusted with me. I'm going through seminary. I've helped lead worship. I, um, you can call me a pseudo pastor, almost a pastor, whatever you want to call it. Um, but where are you? Um, I, I look at like the Bissons that are leaving. They're, they've risked everything. Right? I mean, they, I think they literally have sold everything they own, and now they're going across the other side of the world to mission. Right? That, that's a five, maybe a 10. Right? Okay? And maybe you're just called to leave a Bible, lead a Bible study. And, and I don't want to put figures, I don't want to put numbers on this. Maybe that's a two, maybe that's a four, maybe that's a three. I don't want to put numbers on it. But where are you? Maybe you're called to lead a Bible study. Um, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and right now um, your job is to disciple your kids. And that's where you're supposed to be investing your talent, right? That's what your investment is. Maybe it's in a workplace. Uh, maybe it's in Kairos. Maybe it's just you're mentoring a kid or you're mentoring someone around you that doesn't know Christ, that doesn't know um, what it even means to, to, to read the Bible or, or whatever it is. But where are you? The thing is, I think secretly, everyone wants to be a five-talent person. Am I right? I mean, deep down in, does not everyone just wish they could explode and 
like just talk about Jesus the whole time, like all the time? So what has been entrusted to us? Where do you want to be? And I ask that for you right now. Take a hard look. Where do you want to be? And I ask, where's arise? Right? Where should we be? Where do we want to be as, at arise? For arise, with arise. Can we be a five talent? Can we be a church that risks everything? I and mean, we've been given this building now. We've got amazing worship. We've got a place that we can call home. So these are things that have been entrusted to us for the heavenly kingdom. So what are we going to do with it? That's what I ask. And if you're wondering what I can do and how I can get involved, Paul's going to come up later. A little plug for our ministry teams again, I guess. Um, We're going to get our ministry teams going again, our love, grow, worship, go. Um, If you want to know how to be involved in the church, those are the things to come to. There's a spot for everyone, whether... You're going out in the community or you're just brainstorming and you're just a voice inside this circle. You want to know what's going on with the rise so you never feel like you're left in the dark? This is the place to be. Is to come to our ministry teams. All right, enough plug. So jump into um, 19 here now because this is where it starts to get, um, where the master starts talking about um, who's doing well and who's not. Now, after a long time, the master and those servants came and settled accounts with them. So if we're looking at this at us, also Jesus is going to come and settle accounts with us, right? He is coming back. We believe that. He is coming back. He's going to settle an account. He's going to settle his accounts with us. And he would receive the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. I just look at that, and when Jesus comes back, do I want him to say, hey, well done? Every time, every opportunity that came up, the gospel that I entrusted to you, you were able to proclaim. You were able to go out. You sought out opportunities to talk about Jesus. Same with the two talent. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then comes Spigoli, the one talent person. And I think he sees the favor that the two other servants are getting. He just makes, makes something up. He says, like, I knew you to be a hard master. I knew you to reap where you didn't sow. And I think all of us can look at that and say, we know that our God is not a hard God. He is righteous, and he has passed judgment on people but we all know that he's very loving and he's forgiven us and he's given us his son so that we don't have to worry about this anymore. But I think this servant gets scared and he's trying to cover and he's making up an excuse why he didn't get it done. I think if we look at ourselves, we can do that too with why didn't we take the opportunity to pray with someone at some time? Or why didn't we take the opportunity when it was right there to proclaim the gospel or talk about Jesus? Or what's our excuse why we just don't go and do it? And I know we can, we can lift off a ton of, you know, I'm busy. I'm an introvert. I work 40 hours a week and I get home. I just want to be with my kids. I want to do this. I want to do this. 
life is busy. But I think, now I, I could be totally wrong and you guys can all yell at me later. I, I think it's fear is one of the reasons that we don't do it. It's because we're afraid to preach or we're afraid to speak the gospel. We're afraid of rejection. And that's where it gets tough because um, fear stops us. And we're talking about faith in here and we're talking about risking everything for our faith. We're talking about if you're not risking, you're not faithing. Okay, so if you're not showing risk, you're not showing faith. So fear stops us and it might actually be the opposite of faith. Fear may be the opposite of faith. It's a, it's a faith killer for sure, right? Fear kills faith. And what do we fear? Rejection, maybe. Um, but I think what we have to realize is that if we're rejected, we haven't failed, right? We only fail if we don't talk about it. We only fail if we don't proclaim. We only fail if we don't preach the gospel or speak the gospel. I keep saying preach. If we don't give the message, that's, that's when we fail. Um, and if you're, if you're afraid of, of failure, that basically means you're afraid that God has failed. Because if you speak the truth, you're not failing, period, whether it's accepted or not. Um, going back to um, when I was playing golf for a living, uh, or trying to, I didn't play golf very well for a living, trying to play golf for a living, um, a lot of people have asked me, and I may have said this before, like, what did you do when you failed? Like, when you failed being a golf professional and you couldn't do it anymore, and I just, I never even thought about it that way. I never thought that I failed. Um, and looking, and I, ne- I couldn't figure out why, because back then I wasn't walking with Christ either. Um, I couldn't figure out why, but looking back on it now, the only thing that I can think of is if I would have believed that I failed, that means God's plan failed. And it wasn't God's plan. Right? Does that make sense to everyone? Tracking with me? So it just might be that whatever's going on, you didn't fail in the eyes of God, maybe only in the eyes of yourself. Like just because you don't reach your goal doesn't mean that you've failed because that means that God's plan hasn't worked out the way he wanted to. Does that make sense? Yeah, amen, tracking, yes, little, yeah. All right, this, by the way, this is group participation. Thank you. Um, so what does faith means? mean? It means not playing it safe, first off. You can't be comfortable. Um, like doing churchy things is comfortable. It's not that there's anything wrong with it. Baking lunches or cookies or coffee or whatever we do as this community, there's nothing wrong with, with doing those things and giving your gifts. But that's not faith and that's not, it takes no risk to bake a batch of brownies and make an awesome meal for us in here, right? There's nothing wrong with it, but that's not faith. That's not risking things. Faith really is obedience, I think they go hand in hand. Um, Obeying is an act of faith and trusting that God will protect and take care of you, that God will guide you. Faith is saying yes to God. Faith is saying yes to my creator, yes to my sovereign Lord. 
saying, yes, God, you've got this, I don't. I trust you. I think the one thing or another thing we need to think about is obedience does not necessarily mean success. Just because you obey does not mean that everything's gonna work out perfectly. And again, it comes back to that our goals are not God's goals per se. It may be a teaching lesson, and that was the obedience to obey what we are supposed to do and be taught a lesson or taught something. Complete obedience does not require full understanding. That was said in a sermon, I don't know, a year ago, and it has completely stuck with me. Complete obedience does not require full understanding. And I can attest to that just, God knocked down all of these walls in front of me so I could go to seminary, and I have no idea. Even now, I'm getting closer. I have no idea what I'm gonna do when I graduate. So, um, but I just trust that I'm put in the right spot. I, have, I do not have full understanding yet, but I am obeying what he has in store for me. Jesus was in complete obedience with God. He came down. His will was God's will. And he risked everything for us, right? He let himself be taken to the cross and crucified. He gave us life to go to the cross, to obey God, to have faith that God's plan was the plan that was supposed to happen, right? That even though he was being forsaken on the cross, that that was what was supposed to happen. So we were singing in that second song. I can't remember the name of the song, but we trust you, we trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. And I think if we sit and we listen and we, um, we respond to God and we obey what he wants us to do, then there's gonna be times that we're gonna be risking things and then we're gonna be showing our faith and we're gonna be doing these things that we're called to do. So if you're not risking, you're not faithing, I just pray that we'll listen to God on these things and that as a church, as a rise, as we move forward, that we're not gonna get scared and bury our talent. We're not gonna bury what's been entrusted to us. We're not gonna take this building and just do church on Sundays with it, right? Because as a body, we are the church and the church is called to go out. We've got people going, I mean, Bistons are going, I see Taberts. Taberts are going in what, May? March, March, March. Taberts are going. Who else? Anyone else? Going? John goes all the time, Warden. He goes out to India all the time. I mean, we have people that go. And that's what it means to be um, this, this, this body, is to actually go. And whether that's on this one block radius or 4,000 miles across the ocean. If we're not risking, we're not faithing. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we can risk. I pray that when you, when you give us um, a command that we can obey or when you give us insight that we're not afraid just to bury it in the ground, that we're not afraid to put it behind us, that when we hear, when we, when we hear a call that... Um, that we can just go. We can drop what we're doing. We can set aside these earthly things that consume us and we can do it. I pray that we can obey. 
I pray that we can listen. I pray that we can listen to the commands of your son and that we can be taught and that we can continue to learn what obedience actually means. I pray that your spirit would consume us, the same spirit that lived inside your son, the same spirit that lived inside Peter and Paul and all the apostles. I pray that this spirit would be inside us. It's in your name, amen.